0: Okay, welcome back. Uh, In the book of Leviticus, chapter 8, is where we're going to pick up. I have like so much less stuff around me right now that I shouldn't have a whole lot of distractions with noise, even though I probably will, just for some reason or another. Uh, Anyway, chapter 8, book of Leviticus. Here we go. And Jehovah spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and the bullocks of the sin offering. And the two rams and the basket of unleavened things, and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses did as Jehovah had commented. Let me turn that down. There we go. As Jehovah had commanded him. And the congregation was gathered to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing which Jehovah has commanded, This is the thing which... Oh, man. This is the thing which Jehovah has commanded done. And Moses brought Aaron... That that done was, like, really far spaced away, like it was the start of the next sentence. So when I I was going to start the next sentence, my brain stopped on me, like, wait a minute. Done and... What? Okay. So it has... uh, The the thing which Jehovah has commanded done. And Moses uh, brought Aaron and his sons and bathed them in water... And put on him the tunic And girded him with the girdle And clothed him with the upper robe And put the ephod on him The ephod Ephod, ephod? I, I still I I don't know how to pronounce this word Um, Put the ephod on him And girdled him with the ephod on him it, They just did that twice? The upper robe and put the ephod on him And girded him with the ephod on him Yeah and girded him with the girdle of the ephod and bound it to him with it and put the breastplate on him and put the urim and the th- Thummim, it's t-h-u-m-m-i-m thummim into the breastplate and put the mitre on his head and on the mitre on its front as he put the golden plate the holy crown, as Jehovah commanded Moses. And Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all in it and sanctified them. And he sprinkled of it on the altar seven times and he sprinkled of it on the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all its vessels and the laver and its base to sanctify them. And he poured of the anointing oil on the head of Aaron and anointed him to sanctify him. And Moses brought the sons of Aaron near, and clothed them with the tunics, and girded them with the girdles, and bound bonnets on them, and bound bonnets on them, as Jehovah had commanded Moses, a bonnet to me is like one of those things like a, you know, an Amish woman or something wears on her head, that just sounds weird, but you know, hey, whatever, I'm sure that I don't know what, what it means in the, um, the sense of what they're talking about here, Lord only knows what a bonnet was back then. Although some things are still what they called them back then, today, just weird. And found bonnets on them. Alright, maybe it just means hats. Hmm. Maybe a bonnet something men wore that they turned into something that women would wear. Some men wouldn't wear that. I don't know, I could get into how they've played with the gender so much nowadays it's insane what they're doing with the genders. I mean, I only reckon you a man or you a woman. I know nothing in between. I know nothing other than that. And all those people screaming, you must recognize me. I, I deserve to be. Well, so do we. So do we that don't recognize all that garbage. Um, we deserve our voice too. And it it's, you know, it's in the Constitution here in America that, you know, freedom of voice, freedom of choice. You're allowed to, to have a, a differing opinion and nobody should be crucifying you or canceling you just because you don't agree with them that's that in itself is you know that's them being you know racist and in, in uh genderist in in their opinions because it's either do as i say or you know you get canceled and that's what's well, more you know what's more racist than that somebody just telling you you're, you know if you don't like this you're a racist well no you're a racist for thinking that anyone that does this is a racist right so it's uh It's time we just let the races go i'm a I'm a multinational American. That's how I recognize myself. um <clears throat> there are Native Americans. If you're not a Native American, then you're from another nation uh living in this nation, which makes you multinational. Those are the only two kinds of Americans we have. period. You're either a Native American or you're a multinational American. I don't care what color you are. that is just stupid recognizing or or, or you know labeling things colors is something that simple minded children do because they're simple minded and that's we we need those kind of simple things for them to to grow their minds and help mature them and just identify things um once you've grown and you've matured it, everybody has a name calling them black or white or or yellow or red anything is just dumb just call them by their name I mean, Morgan Freeman said it great to Mike Wallace you know he's like you're not white you're you're I call you Mike Wallace I don't need to call you anything else and uh, I'm not black to you. I'm I'm, you know, Morgan Freeman. Just call me Morgan Freeman. And we we can leave all this color race crap behind. And that's that's really the truth. Like we need we need to get over calling each other colors cuz I seriously black and and white like my refrigerator is white. My my oven, like I have a white oven right now. It my oven's white. When I hold my skin next to it, they're not the same color. Like I'm horribly off white. I'm like a beige or a tan or you know, something else, it's not, it's definitely not white, and, uh, black people are not black, they're not, they're, they're different shades of brown, it, I mean, to the best of my ability to understand what brown is, that's, that's what a black person is, what we're calling black, I mean, this black and white narrative, though, it's just this Masonic, you know, separating, if, if you look at Masonic halls, they like to have those checkerboard, black and white, you know, checkers on their floor, because it's, everything for them is black and white, they need to be able to separate that, the two pillars, That you know what I mean, like, there has to be separation in these things so you have opposing sides so you can make them more so you can cause conflict order out of chaos you know what i mean they're all about that sort of thing and um we need to just leave that behind jesus was preaching love baby he wasn't preaching colors and races and i mean yeah he wasn't about all that so we shouldn't be either and we should recognize that the moment somebody starts labeling people colors or gender this or gender that just just Pray for them and don't don't agree with them. Don't feed into their their indoctrination. I'm pretty sure somewhere in this Bible, it's going to tell us that some people are just going to be lost. Man, you're not pulling them back. I mean, pray for them, but don't don't get yourself lost or caught up in the in the, the this the mess trying to pull someone out. That's it's just not your job. Tell them to you know find Jesus Christ and pray for them and move on. You can love them without, um, trying to help them out of the mud every time you walk past them, in my opinion, anyway. Anyway, carry on. Uh, So we just talked about (laughs) bound bonnets, (laughs) which took me way off track, um, and bound bonnets of them as Jehovah had commanded Moses, and he brought the bullock of the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bullock of the sin offering. And one killed it, and Moses took the blood and put it on the horns of the altar round about with his finger and cleansed the altar. And he poured out the blood at the foundation of the altar and sanctified it to make atonement on it. And he took all the fat on the inward parts inward parts, and the, it looks like pants, but inward parts and the fold above the liver what is the fold above the liver, by the way? Like that, I almost need to dissect something or watch something being dissected to understand what they mean by the fold above the liver. Because that's, that term's used over and over and over. But when I, in my life, when I've seen a liver, it's just a liver. There's no, uh, there's no mention of any folds. What is the fold above the liver? It makes me think it's something different than just the liver, right? And the fold above the liver, what is that? And the two kidneys, and see the kidneys, not folds above them, off to the side of them, underneath them, it's just straight the kidneys, you know what I mean? But the liver here, we're not talking about taking the actual liver, we're talking about taking the fold above the liver. Which, what is that? Anyway, and the two kidneys and their fat, is it just a fat above the liver? I'm, anyway, I need to move on, <laughs> I'm gonna get stuck on that. Hold on everybody while I YouTube the fold above a liver. Um, and their fat, and Moses burned it as an incense on the altar, and the bullock and its skin and its flesh and its dung he burned with fire, oof that dung part at the outside of the camp, as Jehovah had commanded Moses, and he brought the ram of the burnt offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and one killed it, and Moses sprinkled the blood on the altar all around, and he cut the ram into its pieces, and Moses burned it as incense with the head and the pieces and the fat, and he washed the inward parts and the legs with water, and Moses burned it as incense with the whole ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering. For a sweet fragrance, it is a fire offering to Jehovah. As Jehovah commanded Moses... I, 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 <laughs> I started to laugh because they said that um sweet offering. Notice they didn't say sweet offering when we were talking about burning the dung, right? Let me go back and just look at that. But um, he didn't. They didn't say that. Uh, they didn't mention it as a sweet offering. when We were talking about burning the dung, and it's dung burnt with the fire at the outside of the camp. Yep. No. No sweet offering if you're burning dung. That's just. That's just an offering, which I, it makes sense to me. I mean, God knows what burnt feces smells like. I, can't even. <laughs> In all my years of toil, I don't think I've ever. Burned anyone's poop or any poop or had poop burned or smelt burnt poop it just hasn't hasn't arised in my uh in any atmosphere I've been in so <laughs> knock on wood that it won't jeez all right um it is a fire to Jehovah and he had commanded all right and he he brought the su- uh, second ram a ram of consecration consecrations, and Aaron and his sons lay their hands on the head of the ram and one killed it and Moses took of its blood and put it on the tip of the knight or the right oh put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot and he brought Aaron's sons and Moses put on the blood of the put the blood put of the blood ugh, on the tip of their right ear and on the thumb of their right hand, and on the big toe of their right foot. And Moses sprinkled the blood on the altar all around, and took the fat, and the fat tail, and the fat tail, and all the fat on the inward parts, and the fold above the liver, and the two kidneys, and their fat, and the right leg. And out of the basket of unleavened bread, which was before Jehovah, he took one unleavened cake, and one cake of one cake of oil bread, and one wafer, and put them on the fat, and on the right leg, and placed the whole on the hands of Aaron, and on the hands of his son, and waved them, a wave offering before Jehovah. And Moses took them off their hand, and burned them, with incense on the altar, on the burnt offering. They are consecrations for sweet fragrance. It is a fire offering to Jehovah. And Moses took the breast, and waved it, a wave offering before Jehovah, of the ram, of the consecrations. It was Moses' portion, as Jehovah had commanded Moses, and Moses took <clears throat> took of the anointed oil and of the blood of the altar, and sprinkled on Aaron on his garments and on his sons and on his sons' garments with him, and he sanctified Aaron his garments and his sons and the garments of his sons with him. I was hoping that when we got into Leviticus that it was just going to get more into just telling a straight line story, whereas uh, uh it wasn't going to be so repetitive over these things. But we've We've so we've been commanded now how to do all these offerings, and now we're literally going through where he's doing them all and I guess uh, as a testament to him following the directions he was told, we're listening to him do exactly what was told before like I feel like this all could have been summed up by saying and and he did exactly as commanded by Jehovah without just repeating it all but but um as we've learned from uh the television that you can make anyone believe it, and you know maybe that's part of what this is. But repetition, repetition causes someone to you make a lie become true in someone's mind just by repeating it. I, I think the the base number is like ten thousand. It's it's the same for a lot of things when you're trying to change a quarterback's throw motion. You need to get him to slowly be, start throwing that that motion that you uh, the new motion that you you desire, whether it's a higher release, whatever it is, you know. Um, but slowly at first, but. He needs to, to practice it at least 10,000 times because around 10,000 times, the brain will start to lock it in as its natural emotion. It'll start to believe that that's the way it's always done it, and therefore it goes forward. That's why your television repeats so many things, and you hear uh, you know, a narrative <clears throat> that's on the news. Every news channel you go to is spouting the same narrative. You know what I mean? It's, it's because repetition um, makes things real. It makes people believe that things are true. That's why they did it through the whole uh, vaccine thing um initially before anyone took a covid-19 jab i i had you know gone vegan so i changed my lifestyle and in, in doing so i'd really studied on gmos and i might have mentioned this in this somewhere in this podcast before but um gmos use mrna technology cmrna they all of the everything that you hear about in um in the vaccines they're giving us is in you know gmos basically vaccines for fruits and vegetables and um, the the part that had concerned me was that a GMO crop can infect a non-GMO crop. So I was wondering, well, okay, does does that mean that people that are taking these shots are they going to be infecting people that um, didn't uh, with the nanotechnology and whatnot? And I don't I don't know that that's exactly what's happening. There seems to be some kind of consent base to that. I don't know, but the enhanced spike protein seems to be something that can be spread. So. Yeah, in essence, they can. They're doing the same thing. They're infecting these people, and it makes me wonder if that's going to... Because ultimately what it does is it alters your DNA. It's it's uh, gene therapy, right? So you're no longer running... It creates another chromosome. You're no longer running off a natural DNA line. You're no longer running off a of God's DNA. And um, I, I would hope that, you know, the enhanced spike protein doesn't do that, that it is the actual nanotechnology in the shots that's creating that um third-strand uh but I don't know. You know, I don't know. And I remember <clears throat> having a conversation with my mom a good month before they rolled out when they were getting, you know, really gearing up and, and and starting to pressure us with the idea of these vaccines coming out and how important it was going to be to take them. I'd already looked at all this stuff, really looked at what was out there about these vaccines. And I told my mom just to wait, you know, don't, just don't jump out the window with the first group that jumps. Just wait. You know what I mean? Let's see what these are. Let's see what it does. Let's let's look for more information to come out about these. Let's not just trust everything you see on the television. And she agreed, okay, we'll wait. We'll wait. And we, uh, I'll wait. She told me. I promise you, I'm going to wait. Well, like three weeks later, I'm talking to her about a week after the vaccines had come out. And uh, in our conversation, when I'm talking to her, she's telling me that or, uh, she had to leave work early to go get her shot. And I was like, wait a minute. What shot? And she's like... Oh, my COVID nineteen shot and I was like, whoa, we just talked about this. We we said we were both gonna wait a couple of months and see what see what comes out about these, see what happens to people. Don't be part of the first wave. Said, well I, you know, I just I wanna do my part. And I thought, gee, <laughs> oh my god, what did you just say? I wanted to do my part. Okay. Well that wasn't that wasn't in any conversation we had doing our part. That came on the television and on social media with like the first round. They were, everybody, go do your part, roll up your sleeves, do your part. Like, that was getting beat into your head on every channel that you watched. Uh, 80% of the commercials that were on TV were talking about this because you were getting hit from all everything. You know what I mean? Everybody wanted to do their part. There was uh, different, you know, monikers or whatever you could add to your social media things to show that you had done your part. You know what I mean? Just telling people to do their part. I mean, just every, it was getting beat. We that the do your part war drum was getting beat all around us. It was echoing through every hill, through every land, and um, it was said enough that it got her. It absolutely got her. Now she's you know fully vaccinated, twice boosted, I believe. Um, and we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I don't I don't go around her much. I've only got one neighbor that's um, vaccinated, and I think once boosted. That I've I've done you know had to spend any time around. Her. So if I'm gonna get infected with the spike protein, it's going to be from her, but I'm hoping that like I've heard that, uh, that's really bad for like the first 10 days that after that your body kind of regulates it in, you know what I mean? Because I, the truth is we go out in public, uh, shopping areas, you know, riding buses together and there just hasn't been this huge die off or even, you know, let's say 25% of the die off of the uh, people that are unvaccinated that live with vaccinated people, um, compared to people who have taken the vaccines I, I don't think we have a clue what that number is it's somewhere it's got to be somewhere around i mean if they're reporting like up to 2 million it's got to be somewhere around like 20 million so um at some point that's going to become extremely evident you know i think the jobs are going to kind of be what's what at, at least at first i thought that people not going back to work and they're just being this surplus of jobs around uh was going to be what was going to tip the scale and you know make people realize oh my gosh uh, there's where'd all these people go, you know, but through the whole process, they've been really, really smart and they've, they've, sh- you know, they've destroyed and killed a lot of small businesses. So, uh, they don't need workers for those anymore. And they, they really just leaving the, um, corporate corporate jobs for the most part are, are in an abundance. Now, most everywhere is still hiring, but you don't notice how many people are missing as much. And that's going to get worse, especially through this winter. I think this winter is going to be especially bad, uh, the rates originally, uh, when they tested this stuff on animals, all the animals died. But animals live faster than humans, and it was it was like three to five years or something was the average thing. So we're now, uh, com- for the people that, that took the first rounds in 2020, we're going to be coming into, excuse me, the two, I guess it was two to five years, I think, something like that, depending on how many you took, how many they injected the animals with. But the, the two to five year mark, so this winner should be when we really start to see a significant, behind me, a significant uh, number of people's immune systems stop working for them, which is basically you're going to catch a cold and just not be able to fight it. And it, they, they're gearing this up around us. Before twenty twenty, HIV or AIDS had kind of gone back into being a you know a homosexual thing or something you got from sharing needles, and now it's just like a very normalized thing. And there's. There was at first it was like Scovy prep or something like that. There was this uh, they were advertising this new HIV drug on commercials. Now there's like four or five of the Carvy or something like that. There's like four or five of them. I pulled up to a a, a mini mart and they had some other one that they had a, a a big almost billboard half looking thing, but on the on the front of the store, like literally attached to the store, for a completely different. It wasn't Descovy or the Carvy or whatever. It was something different that you could buy in the store that would help uh with HIV so you could have sex and not pass it on. Well, why is this a thing now? Because HIV doesn't necessarily mean AIDS. It just it's human immunovirus. What it really means is that your immune system doesn't work. And if these shots are going to attack people's immune systems, then essentially everyone that took, you know, the shots and especially the boosters, if you go get tested for HIV, you're going to come up positive because your immune system isn't working. And that's what it that's really what that test is. It's to test to see, you know, is your immune system up to snuff or not? And if it's if it's working at, you know, half capacity or twenty percent capacity or whatever it should be, you're gonna come back as HIV positive because you have an immunodeficiency going on. It's just that simple. It doesn't have anything to do with AIDS, you don't don't have to have sex anymore to to catch HIV. You can literally catch it from a shot and hopefully we'll have to learn as we go you know further along hopefully that people that took the shots aren't infecting other people like the gmo crops do and um killing them too because that would that would suck i'm not in a position to really get away from all these people like that uh, to protect me and my daughter so we would be at risk and i think at my age group i'm high risk i think i'm in an age group for men that's actually had the highest number of co uh comorbid uh morbidities or whatever you know um the death rate on everything's gone up 600%. SADS. Sudden adult death syndrome. Look, SIDS was around because we give kids, babies, vaccines when they come out. And some of them have bad react, They die, and they call it SIDS. They don't want to tell you it's the vaccines. So we've always had a problem with vaccines killing people. Mysteriously, you know, and just denying the fact that it was the vaccines. Uh, most babies that died was from SIDS have had a vaccine within, you know, a month or even closer, so it's it's very connected, they just don't want you to know it's connected, same with autism, my daughter's autistic, she was fine, she was talking, speaking uh, eating solid foods went in for her last round of vaccines around like 18 months or something like that and right after she got the shot and there was so many there was like 36 vaccines in that one shot um, she took a nap for about 3 hours, woke up, stopped making eye contact wouldn't eat solid foods and has never changed so uh, still hasn't spoke a sentence whereas before she was she was asking for bottles she was you know what i mean she was very normal uh so we we watched that happen in real time right in front of our eyes and there's a million studies out this isn't what's happening but they're all paid for by the vaccine companies any study you get paid for by a parent will come back and they'll tell you yeah no this is legit this vaccine did this and there have been some wealthier parents that have proved that and actually gotten a payout by taking the uh, vaccines to civil court instead of criminal court, right? So um, it does, there is instances where you can find out that it, it 100% is true and that the science proves that it's true. Uh, what you hear on television that they claim is science is not science. It's theoretical science. It's They're telling you these theories. These theories are such good theories that you can just call them facts, like uh, gravity, Gravity is not a fact; it's a theory to this date, because there's this thing out there called density and buoyancy, which is completely fact-based, and it it explains everything that gravity's doing without the wonders of magic. But if you get rid of that wonder of magic, then you have a hard time explaining the ball, the ball Earth, which is a heliocentric theory. Now, geocentrism uh, is not a theory that is a proven model it is a fact-based model it's the same model that nasa or boeing use when they create planes that fly over a flat and stationary motionless plane right go look it up that's what they do they don't talk about rotating earth you don't have to you know no pilot on earth has to account for the dip or dipping the nose of the plane to account for the curvature um the runways underneath them aren't moving. They don't have to. They can. They all take off one direction. They'll land one direction. You never, ever, ever have to um, worry about the earth spinning underneath you. You know what I mean? They'll tell you, oh, the air has caught the drag of the earth. Well, that's so ridiculous. They they now tell you that the um, the moon is in the atmosphere with with the. You know what I mean? With us. It's it's ugh, it's such garbage. But we can't go back to it. We're gonna go to Mars can't go back to the moon. Lost the technology to go there. It's a painful process to build it back, according to Don Pettit, who works at NASA. But, but we got all the technology in the world to go to Mars, and we just skip right over the moon. And You know what I mean? We got our technology advanced well enough that we can get so much farther. But you know, getting back to this thing that's allegedly now in the atmosphere with us, that's impossible. We can't do that. We can't go set up a live camera on that thing. It's just not going to happen. Never gonna happen. There's two things that you should really be questioning in 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 this lifetime, and that's that's the moon After we landed there in the 60s. Why don't we have a McDonald's on the moon? Why can't you go there and then Antarctica? Why does every country on earth want to lob missiles at each other except for when it comes to Antarctica? They all seem to agree there. Iran and China and America and Ukraine and Russia we all agree we're all buddy buddy. we can all go down you know to a summit over Antarctica and shake hands and not have an issue at all, but everywhere else we're we're trying to kill each other. Come on, stop with that nonsense it's I can't buy it if you can, then you know you're a slower individual than I am. I, I think too much. I can't just you know I, ignorance is bliss, and I wish I had that bliss I just i don't. I lost it a long time ago anyway, this isn't, I'm not trying to browbeat y'all on the shots or the, uh, earth being a a level plane. The point was that you just tell somebody something enough times, you know, and they will believe it. It's, it's the same idea. If you've ever heard that they, the, the old trope that somebody lies so much, they, uh, they'll begin to believe their own lies. Well, that's potentially true. If you say anything too many times, it's like magic on your own mind. You'll, you can start to believe it and that there are people who lie and they, they just keep repeating these lies in their minds so much and they get so far away from what the truth was that they they literally establish this lie as the truth. I think that's sometimes how we have people that are passing lie detector tests. I don't know. I, I don't know what the CIA training is on that, but boy, the CIA, they, they got a, one of their directors has a, you know, a famous quote about uh, knowing that their propaganda worked when every American everything that every American believes is completely false. And I, I think we're there. I think we are there. They have brainwashed us thoroughly. And it starts with the, you know, getting you off the, the flat earth and getting you on a globe. It's the first thing you learn in school, kindergarten, if you guys remember, the first lesson you get is this is our sun and this is our earth. It's not, you know, this is how you tie your shoes. It's not, um, this is how you throw a football or this is one plus one. The first lesson you learn in school that you live on a ball in a vacuum and all these just contradictions of science that you believe because magic. Now they tell you that you know this is science-based and that you shouldn't believe in God because God's some kind of magical. There's an invisible guy in the sky. It's just hooey. It's all magic. But when you get right down to it and you you go through the Bible as we are, and I'm going to be pointing these things out as we go, that there are more fact-based, reality-based things in this Bible than there are in the story of evolution or uh uh darwinism or or which is also just a theory never been proven still a theory um or, or the big bang <laughs> nothing nothing is more magical than the big bang everything came from nothing don't think about that move forward there was an explosion you know what i mean it's, it's like that uh those new psas they have out in new york for the uh the nuclear thing yeah, it, it, it starts with this woman coming out and saying so the big one's happen. don't ask how don't ask why yeah, don't think, don't be a critical thinker. Just it just happened and that's all you need to know. You're dealing with it. You're a victim and you have to deal with it and this is what you got to do. Like they just everything's victim mentality, everything. Like you're this is all just happening to you. It's not happening with you. It's not happening around you. You're not separate from it. You're a victim. I'm I'm not. I'm not a victim. I'll never be a victim. Um even even, you know, the idea that if I get cross-contaminated with one of these viruses or something or because somebody else took a shot and they coughed in the same store I was in, now I've got myocarditis or something. I'm still not a victim. I knew that could happen. I walked into that store with that understanding. So I just, I didn't have the means or I didn't believe or feel I had the means to, or I wasn't being directed in life to go, um run off in the woods and and do something. And, you know, they've made that scary to be honest, to go, you know, try and homestead or live on your own off in the woods somewhere. It's not the idea of little house on the prairie anymore. Is it like there's weird stuff going on and the people are disappearing. Is Bigfoot real. Is it not real? Um, I was in the Idaho national forest. I we, we we were in a, it's a federal forest over there below, uh, Lake Pend Uh, the had the whole family with me at the time I was married. We had, uh, three kids with us and, um, we we were just we'd gone to uh silverwood played it used to be dollywood now it's silverwood we'd played at the theme park all day and it was on a fourth of july weekend same weekend uh years back when they they just passed an open carry law there and uh we didn't forethink this we didn't book a hotel we were just retarded to be honest and uh so when you know we were done we stayed at that place all day we were at the uh you know the, the theme park half the day spent the second half of the day at the water park um, I got to learn what a lazy river was. <laughs> neat. Um, I wasn't drinking at the time, but still thought it was neat. Um and then uh when we left we were looking for, you know, a hotel we wanted to go back the next day. That was the the game plan and everywhere was sold out. So we ended up going to a uh uh a place you can camp, you know what I mean? Like a uh a more in town style, you know, R V resort kind of thing. And uh, they were all booked out. And then one of them gave me this uh, pink flyer that took you into the federal forest. And was like, you can go camp out here for free. So we went okay. Went in there and started driving along. And we we found, you know, the first three miles in, we must have found 20 places. But for some reason, I can't explain. It, it, I didn't feel safe. They didn't feel good. There was a couple of times that my ex, ex-wife or my wife at the time was like, what about here? What? About, this seems open. This seems fine. And I was just like, No. No, there's just something not right. And the farther in we went, I started seeing these signs that said, uh, I saw one sign that said lodge. It's like eight miles this way. And I'm like, oh my God, if there's a lodge out here. I'll spend three, 400 bucks, let's go. I'd rather stay in a lodge and feel weird in this this forest. I don't know why, I'm just not clicking with this forest. So follow these signs, if we find the lodge. It's, it's not like, it's not a place we're gonna stay. It's not what I was thinking. These are people living out in the woods. It was some kind of set up thing, but it was odd. And there was a lot of people there that were um firing off guns and were really drunk, and they were celebrating the fact that they'd uh they they'd uh had you know passed this open gun carry law, so we knew we weren't gonna stay there. I figured okay, there's on the little map in front of me there's another little rest stop up in front of us that's right by the water. Let's go up there we'll see if it's not too far. it's only like a mile away from this this lodge thing here. I can now see this on a map. Uh, so I wanted to go up there and check it out. Well, we, we drive a little past the lodge up to this spot and we can see the water, but we also see clotheslines going everywhere. And there's like a 14 year old girl getting out of the water in her underwear. And I was just like, Whoa, little kids running around. It was obvious that this was at one point like a rest stop because it had the rest stop bathroom, but that had been converted into like a home and, uh, it had been taken over. There were people living here. This wasn't just some, you know, average rest stop so I was like oh my goodness okay we turned around well when we were coming in before we got to the lodge we had experienced a couple things coming in like at one point it seemed like we were driving on the the highest point of a ridge down a mountain line uh down the line of a a a series of mountains or a, a ridge line you know and it got so narrow at one point that on left or right like you could see for miles mountains and going back and looking on a map where we were this this shouldn't have been like that this might be something you would see if you were on a ridge line north of Pend Oreille lake up in the panhandle like it would make sense because it was just mountains for as far as you could see and it was really weird and the road in front of us got so narrow that it was just inches outside of each tire and i, I would think that most people would probably turn around right here, but I didn't. I was like, I think we'll make it. I got out looked on both sides. I should have recorded it with my phone, but I didn't make a video. I just, I don't know why I didn't, but I, I just jumped. I was like, I think we got this. I, there's nowhere to turn around. We're not turning around right here, so let's go, and I just went through, and as soon as we got past that little part, it was like, bam, we're back in the woods. Everything opened back up to normal, and we ended up making it to the lodge. When we were heading out, we never crossed it. It was one road in, one road out right? Like there wasn't turns or twist off the last like three miles of this road going up to the lodge where we'd had this experience. So when we were leaving, there was no whys or anything going out. We believed we were leaving the exact same. I expected to come back to that spot just from the opposite side. Um, but we never did. And, uh, we ended up coming to this rest stop that we had a really weird experience at, um, me and the oldest daughter, she went to the bathroom uh, I went off to a another little trail side to, with the dog and noticed that where we had parked initially looked flat and whatever out in front of us, but where just off to the left a little bit around just a few trees, where I'm looking at now when I look out in that direction doesn't look like what I saw from the car at all. It looks completely different. It, you know, it, it looks like mountain range for miles, like I was seeing from that um from that 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 spot on the the ridge where it looked too narrow to drive. And uh, while I was there, uh, I. I I was looking out in that direction underneath you know below me around my waist there was all these panels that had pictures and explained kind of the area and I was looking at those and they didn't make any sense with what I was looking at so I was like what is going on so I went to my left to kind of go and start reading these panels to see if I could make any sense of what I'm seeing like this, is this going to explain what happened here and while I'm doing that there's a, a person looks about like a 5'8 five, 5'9 five, individual kind of skinny wearing like an all grey like a the kind of clay that you use it's like clay that the color was like that gray clay that you use when you're modeling things uh it's got just the the slightest bluish hint to it right it somebody was it looked like somebody wearing uh like a a columbia rain gear outfit like that and i never saw their face but um the hood was up you know what i mean and like i just caught them in my peripheral and uh it caught me off guard i was like oh geez because they were coming from around behind this structure i was in and, and getting ready to kind of drop down off a little rock wall that this structure was built off of. Um, and I, they just came from the area that I was just looking at, like trying to understand what was going on. I'm like, why didn't, there's no cars in the parking lot. We're the only car. Like it, in my mind, it wasn't make any sense. Right. And um, as this person kind of moved over, I turned my head to look at them. And I was saying, you know, I was going to say, oh, my God, you scared me. Uh, sorry, you know what I mean? Because I had reacted, I was like, <gasps> you know, and um the person like dropped down, like squatted down, put a hand behind them or down to their side and like kind of leapt off of this ledge with their legs and then stepped. But as they were doing this, as they squatted down, they literally, that gray went away and they their whole body went like invisible, went see-through, went translucent. And um they dropped down and there was like, they were completely stood up after dropping down like they turned to face me and uh they were it was so weird it's it's it it's really hard to explain it's not like the the predator where you could see 3d images of translucency no man there was like an outline of their body that was like a brighter you know um uh neon kind of color like a yellowish kind of color uh just the outline looking through them was just a blurrier version of what was behind him. It looked really, really weird. But this person, like, they put their arms at their side. And they took two steps to their right just while facing me. So they didn't turn their body. They just one step, two step. And then they kind of straightened up, statued their body up, right? And as they straightened up and quit moving, the moment they stopped moving, they went completely invisible. Like, even the line around them disappeared. Like, I could not see them anymore. And uh, I don't think that this was, you know watcher or something because of other things that had happened like my my ex-wife at the time she had me walk off to the left she had my my oldest stepdaughter had gone off to the right there was a yurt there was a bathroom there she was looking out in front of us and like mesmerized by something i wasn't really paying attention to her because i just walked away so quick uh after you know this guy went invisible i i looked back at my dog who was behind me we had a chewini and noticed he wasn't there, and I I looked up, you know, in front of me, up the trail that I'd come down, there was a cement little path that led you down into where we were, he was at the end of it getting ready to take the left out of where, you know, this little area was, uh, into the parking lot, he had his, his tail was between his legs, and his ears were down, like, he looked scared to death, and it, that made my heart sink, because I realized he'd already booked, like, I'd said something to this person, and turned and looked, and he was, the dog was still standing over at the end of the, uh, the, the this little pathway, this pure style structure that was covered that we were looking out of. um, When I had turned to start reading the thing, he was behind me and now he's way off in front of me. And the, the, from where the path was to where the wall was, was only like three feet. So this thing had stopped right in the middle of that little landscape thing there. Um, That only had a depth of like 15 feet from where it met the cement I was on to where it was at some trees behind it that, you know, it, I ended up being able to see through it and see it just, it was insane. Um, But I had to, you know, I I kind of was like, hey, the dog's name was Bolt. I was like, Bolt, wait, buddy, you okay? And I started taking a couple steps with, you know, paying attention to the spot in my my peripheral because as I, I, I probably took like three, four steps and that, those steps were like the longest it's ever it felt like the longest it's ever taken me to take steps in my life, because I was worried that when I got side by side with this thing shoulder and shoulder from where it stopped, it could we were so close to each other because of how close this path was to this landscape and how confined this space was that whatever it was could have just put its hand out and grabbed me, or I could have put my hand out and touched it like I wish now in hindsight that I would have just picked up some dirt and threw it at it and see if it would have gone through it, so I could have had a better understanding of what this was but I'm, I'm i'm pretty sure this was some kind of technology that had something to do with the suit the person was wearing um anyway so the moment that i get shoulder to shoulder with it nothing nothing's touching me i just break out in a full sprint i take off you know what i mean if this thing's gonna turn or, or or mess with me at all it's gonna do it at a full run and i'm gonna hear it so i, I get out by the car and i As I'm running out into the back into the parking lot, I see my wife is standing in front of the truck, looking out in front of the landscape in front of us, and she's like, Hey, come here, you gotta look at this, and I'm in a panic. I'm like, No, we gotta go. And she's like, No, hey, I want you to look at this. You can see outlines of something. She's trying to tell me that basically it looks like there's two green screens in front of us, and that she can see the outlines of it, and she doesn't think that what we're looking at in front of us is real. She thinks it's fake and she wants to she's having her own experience. But as I'm as I'm telling, like, just get in the car, we gotta go. All of a sudden, our oldest daughter screams. She's in the yurt, right? I'm like in the bathroom. I'm like, go get her now and get in the car. So while she's running there to find out what's wrong, I've already jumped in the car. The dog's in the car. We got two other kids in there. I've started this thing and I've, I've backed it up to, um, so the, you know, the back's right up next to this yurt. They come running out and, uh, they, she, the little one, you know, or the oldest one looks completely panicked. She gets in the car and my wife jumps in the passenger seat. And I immediately, we're gunning it. There's this little, you know, um, Switchback kind of deal that goes up the side of this hill to get you back out of where you are, and I I took that in record time, and I booked I booked out of there. We had taken we'd spent a good, I don't know three three or more hours to drive into where we were. We got back out of this, and we're we're the farthest in that we're at right. Like we hadn't gone, you know, it, it took us maybe ten maybe fifteen minutes from where we turned around at the lodge to run into this this uh, spot and use the bathroom. We didn't use the bathroom at the lodge. It was too weird. We didn't use it the other rest up. So we figured this would be a great spot when we came up on it. And, you know, for immediate aesthetics, it was, it looked clean. It was a really nice little spot. I was like, okay, it's safe. And there's nobody here. It's not that big. This is going to be great. And then we had this experience. um, And I, I'm flying out of here. And on the way out, the roads, I swear, are more evenly rocked, like, like Gran Turismo roads, like an evil level of just loose gravel and I'm I'm flying I'm I'm you know drifting around corners like I literally was going so fast out of there that it 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 shouldn't have made sense and the road you know coming in it wasn't this nice manicured road like this that it wasn't like that at all leaving all of a sudden it was like I was able to do this and I swear to I swear to you know my hand to god from where we were we got back out the same road that we came in that we took to get into this place cuz we recognized you know the houses and everything on this road leading in when we came out that same road we got to in like 20 minutes it took us like 3 hours or longer to drive into this spot we got out of there in 20 and it was it was easy i was just gunning and i mean not only was i comfortable driving at these speeds leaving but i was explaining to my ex-wife like i saw somebody i saw somebody disappear in front of me and that's when i learned that the uh, the oldest daughter she had seen somebody in the bathroom she'd gone into the bathroom was sat down was going pee and granted at the time she's like 10 you know what i mean so um she's sitting on and she's a tall 10 year old you know um probably built like most teenager young teenagers you know what i mean so uh it, it was alarming in that sense but she'd sat down you know what i mean and uh was going pee and she said that she saw an invisible person move in the corner like they shifted uh and they were watching her and she that's when she screamed and the, the you know my wife came, her mom came in she said that she didn't she didn't um, see anybody, but she's like, I, I swear I could hear breathing. Like, the moment she said that, I started, she was like, there's somebody in here, there's somebody in here. I looked around like, there's nobody in here, but I had to wipe her and help her. She was in a panic. Like I had to help her get her stuff on and she was just focused on the corner. And I, I noticed that like there was another, I could hear another person breathing in there and she was like, okay, it, it made her hair stand up. That's why when she came out, she didn't focus back on what she was talking about when we got in. And then she started explaining to me she's like i was having an experience too i that scene in front of us because when when you pulled in and parked it was just a you just came down this little switchback right into the parking lot there was like 15 parking sp- uh, spots right next to each other uh with a, um in front of those about two three feet was uh, just a just a metal bar that was you know a, a solid one when the whole length of the, the, the parking spaces that had, you know, um, it was square and it had, you know, it came down, it was maybe two feet tall, so it would touch your bumper if you went too far, right? In front of that, the land went out about another three feet, and then it dropped down which only looked like three feet, and then it just went out, like plateaued out in front of you um a little bit out in the distance, there was another little hill but it looked like you could just walk out there. It literally looked like you could run out there if you wanted to like uh, you could throw a ball out there, the dog would go pee but, um like I said, the yurt was just to the right of these parking spots, and there's only like 15 of them. That's like the whole length of this thing. And to the left, there was uh, a trail you could see and a little structure over to your your right, like a little period looking structure. That's where I went to go, you know, stretch my legs, take the dog to the bathroom. Thank God I didn't just walk out in front of me. Because when I walked over to the left, you could see out in the same direction you were looking at from the parking lot, except there was no flat anything. Like you, it was all just cliffs and mountain drop off, like you would die if you walked out there. And she was saying that the view that we were seeing in front of us was some two kind of screens. Like, um, uh, it was fake. You know what I mean? Like, she's like, I wish it, we, she's all, I think of, and it was close to us. She was like, I think if we could have just picked up a rock and threw it, it would have hit the screens. That's how close they were to us. Like, they were right in front of our faces, but they were making it look like this, this. View was going on for miles, and she's like, "It was just, it was like two screens. Like, I can't explain it, and I, I wish that I would have taken the time to, to pause and look at what she was looking at and understand that because, we basically, I think, walked into some military thing. That uh, they just, you know, had this this thing where they they'd make open carry legal and very close i mean within walking distance from where we were you know without being too tired you could walk to this lodge which was a big homestead Um, a lot of buildings were built there There there's a lot of people living there and they were you know off gridders they were some kind of community living over there and i was wondering if this wasn't something they were stage setting up to go over there and mess with these people or if they'd been watching them for a while i don't know but uh everything that i experienced gave me the presence that or the 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 my gut told me that this wasn't like alien or you know supernatural that this was this was some kind of military thing this was some kind of technology we were dealing with and maybe the test was on us maybe i was thinking about that that ridgeway when we came in maybe we didn't see it the same when we were leaving because we were on the opposite side of the screens that were projecting the image like that you know um maybe they were just we were the test subjects And we ended up kind of ruining the test. We saw the people, you know, we saw the people behind the curtain, and it it scared us so bad that we ran off. Maybe something else was going to happen, but I'm telling you, three hours in, 20 minutes out, even if I had been gunning it, I mean, driving at the speeds I was, I wasn't going exactly slow coming in. I wasn't just crawling along. I'd say I was doing like, you know, between 15 and 30 miles an hour, depending on the side of the road coming in. So leaving... I was averaging 30 to 50 miles an hour. I was going so much faster. But it still should have taken an hour, an hour and a half. You know, We should have gotten out of there in 20 minutes. It didn't make any sense how long it took us to get to where we were compared to coming out. And Like I said, going in, we, we switched a couple of roads. But we drove in for so long that it should have taken equal time to come out. And we when we left... From the time that we got back on the road passing that which we thought was just you know the uh the only road in or out like we had commented i don't remember seeing this rest stop on the way in but we didn't you know we weren't completely awake at that time we didn't really think too much about it we just okay let's just keep going sorry i just touched the microphone um and we were you know my wife and i had been uh smoking weed so we were really relaxed really mellow we just weren't Overthinking things, you know. Uh, leaving, we never went through that. Like I said, that ridge part again, and we got out of there so fast, so fast that it just none of it made sense, and it it unnerved us so bad that our, our initial plans were to go back to Silverwood the next day. We got so upset that we didn't even want to be in Idaho. We didn't want to go back to Idaho. We literally left. We went to Spokane and got a hotel for the night, um, and just thought about everything that had happened and talked about it and it, it just blew my mind you know uh we ended up going home and I, I just started researching that area and learning as much as i could and i learned that um Lake pandoreal is kind of like a uh an area 51 for like submarines there's a whole navy base up there that's just insane that they they think there's a lot of speculation and conjecture that there might be some underland uh waterways that submarines can get from there back out to the sea and uh yeah i don't know maybe maybe they can you know what i mean um i don't know there but there was definitely some type of craziness happening there and that's all just to go back to the you know there's there's technologies around us that we don't even understand they don't have to be supernatural i uh, uh, i you know I'm, I, I got so far off the, the course talking about this that i don't i don't even remember how this plays back into the whole repetition thing i was talking about liars believe in what they you know what i mean um i don't know i i lost my way here sorry (laughs) that's a whole i think i've talked about before that's a little more in depth version of what happened um i i badly kind of want to go back there uh without kids and just see if that lodge is even still there see if that see if any of it's still set up the way it was see if we can run into any of that again see if we can find that rest stop what it looks like now you know um and that would be neat. And this time I would take cameras. I would take cameras the whole way. It would need to be documented. Uh, and just even like the... You know, we were let in there. Um, after a certain point of going in, I saw the first sign that said the lodge. And we had to... It would, you know, be an arrow. And there was once... Two or three times, it, uh, you would find the sign kind of obscured, a new one, and it would have an arrow, and you'd, you'd actually make a turn. So going in to a certain extent we we did take two or three turns but the last stretch where we went through that narrow thing and you know up to the lodge that was all one road there was no turns for a good three miles or longer um a good you know 45 minute drive there was points when we were driving that we were just like god like where is this going like you start to wonder do i have enough gas if i go so far in to to get back out but the crazy thing was like in the three hours of driving it it only seemed like we hadn't even used a quarter tank of gas and we'd even we'd commented on that like that's crazy like we don't seem to be losing all of our gas because on a map based on where we thought we were based on when we passed the lodge and going to the one rest stop that was actually on a map we were right up i mean we were almost to the eastern side now if you were coming from the east end of this area up by like the lake area there is a rest stop up there that should be where we were that should be that spot but it would be two thirds in a you know from east to west, in this this forested area and in the federal forest. And when we we turned around, it was you know two minutes. It wasn't far at all to get back to the lodge. And then from the lodge, it was within ten minutes. We ran into this this um and what you know for all intents there was no turns. We were imagining we were going to be on the same road for a while till we t boned. And in my mind, I'm like okay, then we'll just. I'll get out, I'll find the sign that says Lodge, and whichever way it's directing us, that's the way we want to go back from, because it directed us up into here, right? So we don't get turned around. Um, we I never once, from that rest area that we had the experience at, had to worry about signs or any of that. It was a we never made a turn. We never, we were on the same road from that point all the way out. And that's just, that's not the way it was going in. So the whole experience was just off. Very, very off. I don't know if it was a time slip. I don't know. You know, I've thought about that a lot too. Like, um, we could have experienced some kind of a time slip. I don't know. Some kind of dimensional rift. Like, we maybe, maybe things altered. Things, when we got back after that, things really changed for us. Um, So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we jumped timelines. Maybe we jumped dimensions. And that's why coming back was different. You know, um, because our by you know going through some kind of rift we'd we'd altered our reality and and the reality in this new timeline was that there wasn't a whole bunch of other roads and there wasn't you know but where would that have happened did it happen when i crossed that thing because we ended up finding the lodge that the signs were directing us to it's just coming back was completely different than going in anyway anyway i have just uh I've just gone way, way off of where I was, and completely forgot where I was from that. It is a fire offering. We did the ram, so we went over here to consecrations, trying to see where I was. Moses took off the anointing oil, the blood of the altar, and sprinkled on Aaron and his garments and his sons. Okay, so we're now down here, still on chapter eight, verse thirty-one. Sorry for taking that 30-minute rant off to the side there. Uh, We had last talked about, um, And Moses took of the anointing oil and of the blood of the altar and sprinkled on Aaron on his garments and on his sons and on his sons' garments with him. And he sanctified Aaron his garments and his sons and the garments of his sons with him. So, moving on. (laughs) And Moses said to Aaron, And to his sons, boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and you shall eat it there. And the bread which is in the basket of the consecrations, as I have commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it, and the rest of the flesh and of the bread you shall burn with fire, and you shall not go out of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation for seven days, until the days of your consecration are fulfilled." For he shall consecrate you seven days, as he has done on this day, Jehovah has commanded you to do, to make atonement for you, and you shall remain at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation day and night for seven days, and you shall keep the charge of Jehovah and shall not die, for so I have been commanded. And you shall not die. Why would you die? Because you don't eat for seven days and seven nights? Hmm. That's a weird command. You shall not die. <sighs> Excuse me. Bless me. Sorry for the yawn. Hope it didn't cause you to yawn at home. And Aaron and Aaron and his sons did all of the things which Jehovah had commanded by the land of Moses. Okay, we're going to do another chapter. Looks like chapter 9 is shorter. But I've I've gone way longer than I should have. Not even reading the Bible. I apologize for that. But I guess that story just needed to come out again right now um i I did tell a like a, a pretty detailed version of that close to the time of when it happened uh, that aired on a podcast called Monsters Among us. I believe it's uh season six episode three uh, and then my wife at the time she called in and did hers told her story or what from her side of point of view, I think on season six episode five um and then we did a beyond one. Where it was both of us on a Zoom call with uh the this guy Derek Hayes that um does the show because it was it was a popular so it's a crazy story. The whole thing still just blows me away to this day. I don't understand what happened there. Um Yeah. It it was insane. So chapter nine and it happened on the eighth day, Moses called for Aaron and his sons and for the elders of Israel, and he said to Aaron, Take a calf to yourself, a son of the herd. For a sin offering, and a ram for a burnt offering, perfect ones, and bring near before Jehovah, and speak to the sons of Israel, saying, Take a kid of the goats for a sin offering, and a calf and a lamb, sons of a year, perfect ones, for a burnt offering, and a bullock and a ram for peace offerings to the sacrifice before Jehovah, and a food offering mixed with oil, for today Jehovah will appear to you. And they took that which Moses had commanded to the front of the tabernacle of the congregation. And all the congregation drew near and stood before Jehovah. And Moses said, This is the thing that Jehovah has commanded, do it, and the glory of Jehovah shall appear to you. And Moses said to Aaron, Draw near to the altar and make your sin offering and your burnt offering and make atonement for yourself and for the people and make the offering of the people and atone for them as Jehovah has commanded. And Aaron drew near to the altar and killed the calf of the sin offering, which is for himself. And Aaron's son brought the blood near to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar. And he poured out the blood at the foundation of the altar, and the fat and the kidneys and the fold of the liver of the sin offering he burnt with incense on the altar, as Jehovah had commanded Moses. And he burned the flesh and the skin with fire at the outside of the camp. And he killed the burnt offering... And Aaron's sons presented to the blood to him, and he sprinkled it on the altar all around. And they presented to him the burnt offering by its pieces, and the head, and he burned them with incense on the altar. And he washed the inward parts and the legs, and burned them as incense for the burnt offering on the altar. And he brought the offering of the people, and took the goat of the sin offering, which is for the offering... Oh, sorry, that... I think that sounds the, uh, the wind blowing down through the, uh, fan, through the, the pipe that goes up to the roof of the fan. making It's pretty windy out. I live in Ellensburg now. It is windy here all the time. Just all the time. All right, I just learned that the uh, maximum amount of recording time is 60 minutes, and I passed that, so that just, it's going to cut off on you, and then this is going to jump back in. Apologize for that. Not exactly sure where it did that at. So I'm going to just start back on verse uh, 12 of chapter 9 and and take off from there. Um, Try not to veer off here just to finish this because I'm just trying to finish this chapter. Uh, And he killed the burnt offering, and Aaron's sons presented the blood to him, and he sprinkled it on the altar all around. And they presented to him a burnt offering by its pieces, and the head, and he burnt... God, I hope that you guys caught all that in the first part. I think it did. All right to him the burnt offering by its pieces and the head if it didn't i will um i'm going to listen to all this after i publish it i'll i'll just add a little segment in between the two that that fixes that so uh hopefully you won't hear that and i didn't mess up that bad but if i did uh, you'll know why you're hearing this right now <laughs> you can laugh at it anyway offering by its pieces and the head and he burned them with incense on the altar and he washed the inward parts and the legs and burned them as incense for the burnt offering on the altar. And he brought the offering of the people and took the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, and killed it and made it a sin offering like the first. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the, according to the ordinance. And he brought the food offering and filled his palm from it and burnt it as incense on the altar. Besides the burnt offering of the morning, and he killed the bullock and the ram a sacrifice of the peace offerings which are for the people. And Aaron's sons presented the blood to him, and he sprinkled it on the altar all around. And the fat of the bullocks and of the ram and the fat tail and of the ram. Whoa, 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 whoa. I think I just reread that line. And the fat of the bullock and of the ram, the fat tail, and the covering and the kidneys and the fold above the liver. And they set the fat on fire. Whoa. And they set the fat on the breasts. Jeez, I'm just messing up here. And they set the fat on the breast, and he burned as incense the fat on the altar. And Aaron waved the breast and the right leg as a wave offering before Jehovah, as he had commanded Moses. And Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them, and came down from offering the sin offering, and the burnt offering, and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation. And they came out and blessed the people. And the glory of Jehovah appeared to all the people. And fire came out from before Jehovah and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And all the people saw and cried aloud and fell on their faces. That's the end of chapter 9. That's where we're going to end here. Um, So they saw, again, they saw, they got to see Jehovah. Which is one of those things that, uh, you know, you just don't, you don't really get to do anymore. Let me grab this pen. You don't see Jehovah anymore. He's in your heart. I can't wait to get to, like I said, a bunch. I can't wait to get to the, um, out of the 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 Holy Bible and into the the New Testament to see, what, exactly you know, Jesus commands that we do today. Because I don't fully know. I don't. You know, I go off a lot of what I've heard, and yeah, I pray at night. I, I I pray before my food before I eat it. You know, I ask for blessings. I do. I do a lot of the things that I believe. Um, but there's there's even been in this you know, a few things I've run into that have changed what I do, how I do it or how I say it or my idea on some things, you know? So, uh, I expect that to happen a lot more as we, uh, traverse into the, uh, the new Testament. But, uh, all right. With all that said, hopefully I haven't aired up too much. You were able to get through this and I apologize for going on such a long bird walk. just, just getting so off course there, uh, for so long. Uh, but, you got a story out of it, and I'm just going to leave it in. So, um, God bless you all, and may you have a blessed day. Bye bye.